morning. Good morning, new day. Thanks, man. I'm going good. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you um, for the introduction, Matt. You've all met my pastor, Pastor Matt. Uh, my name is Dipal, and I'm on the eldership, um, and I assist in the area of uh, missions. And I have the privilege of bringing God's word to you today with his blessings. So, good morning. Um, the teacher in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8, says that the end of a thing is better than its beginning. And when I read that, I thought, ah, uh, he mustn't have gone on a very nice holiday. <laughs> you know, one of those ones you never wish would end. But nobody lives that long, isn't it? And he says that the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. With just about 14 more sleeps to the end of the year, it's not a bad idea if we talk about ending it on a good note of a better ending to the year. While I prepared for this sermon, I came across a joke of a pastor who had just been advised that he was terminally ill and he should um, make arrangements. So he sent for his lawyer and he sent for his banker. Um, and of course, the thoughts of the people were that he probably wanted to put his affairs in order, you know, manage his will and everything. And promptly, both of them showed up. So he held on to the lawyer on his left hand and the banker on his right hand side, and he just kept quiet. When the silence became a bit awkward, lawyers, given their nature, inquired, is there something in particular that you want me to help you with, you know, before the time comes? And the pastor says, well, when Jesus was about to die, he had two thieves uh, on either side. <laughs> and considering you guys are the only two that I know, well, um, that wasn't the only thing that transpired at the end when Jesus was about um, to end his ministry here on earth. You see, Hebrews chapter two, uh, 12 and verse 2 tells us that we are to look unto Jesus because he is the author, the beginning, and he is the perfecter, the finisher of our fate. Who, for the joy that was set before him, that joy is you and I, that joy is this congregation, this gathering, what we're having now, this fellowship. That joy is the salvation that he brought to the world. That joy was him conquering debt. And that joy is him being able to ascend back and be seated in the right hand of God. He despised the shame of the cross, and now he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, do not be deceived. There is no better ending to anything outside of God, outside of Christ, be it a marriage, be it a job, academics, whatever. We cannot experience a better ending outside of him. So what stops us from achieving this? Because it is God's desire that our end is better. That our end, I mean, that's the reason why Jesus came and gave his life. 
It defeats the entire purpose if we do not have a better end, either to this year or the next. But then we've got an adversary. Who the Bible tells us from John chapter 10 and verse 10 that he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So how do we navigate, how do we manage this challenge? Let us pray and then we unpack this. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to bring the word. I release myself to your guidance and I ask that the Holy Spirit will speak through me and that everybody here would be blessed and that we will live our lives um, being able to realize the better end that you have proposed for us. Amen. Amen. Like the rest of us, different ideas, for the Israelites, a better end meant achieving the promise of God. So what promises or promise does God have for you? For them, it was of a land, a place where they could actually rest. I read that this land was a place that had such brooks and deep springs that it gushed out into the valleys and the hills. The soil was rich that it produced barley and wheat and vines and fig trees pomegranates and olives. It was such that the Israelites would not lack anything, kind of like the modern-day Garden of Eden at that time. As a matter of fact, in Numbers, in Exodus, in Deuteronomy, we have different um, descriptions for this promised land. And one in particular described it as a land that flowed with milk and honey. Back in Africa... There is a saying that um, the cities of the Western world are laced with gold. It's kind of like that. So there's always that aspiration, that desire to go and see the cities that are laced with gold. So this one flowed with milk and honey. It was just an indication that the soil was rich. It was ready for agriculture and shepherding, and the mountains provided safety and security, protected them from the elements and from any army that would think to invade. A beautiful place. Why was this the beautiful ending for the Israelites? The Israelites at this point were nomads. God had given a promise to Abraham to come to a place that he would show him. And they had been for 400 years as slaves. They had nothing to themselves. Out of that, coming out of that, they ended up in the wilderness. You couldn't be any more vulnerable when you don't have a roof over your head. And that is why the video that we just saw is such a blessing to the lives that are going to benefit from that. That is a better ending at this time that God has promised them and it's been realized through you and through um, this ministry. Amen. So, the agenda, the objective, the better ending for the Israelites was the promised land. But they struggled between slavery, between being wondrous nomads in the wastelands, in the deserts, and getting to this land. Why was this the case? 
Let us understand that when God makes a promise, he's not a son of man that will lie or repent. And God isn't about to not honor his words. And he shows up wherever. His presence is wherever his promise is. So if God has given you a promise, his presence is there with him. Let's read this testimony from Joshua 2, verse 8. Now, therefore, oh, sorry, now before they lay down Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute, and Rahab was in the land where God has promised them. This is the promised land, which has been occupied uh, by the Canaanites. So pretty much we could say that, Canaan was, um, that Rahab was one of the enemies. And um, she was addressing the spies that were sent out to go and survey the land, right? So just to give some context there. And then she said to them before they laid down, she was hiding them in the roof. I know that the Lord has, past tense, given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. Now, this was a 40-year-old event because this report was from the second time that they've come to survey the land. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on the earth. Can I just say that the day your enemy, your adversary, your challenge knows more about God than you, you're in trouble. This was the enemy telling the Israelites how they felt. I, I sort of pitied them here because they've had this anxiety for 40 odd years. This was the second time that the Israelites would be at the border wanting to cross. All right. So what led to the gap? What led them to not being able to occupy um, the promised land the first time around? That's what we're going to unravel. And hopefully that helps us to understand how we would be able to end the year on a good note. Um, there's a particular slide that's missing. For some reason, I've sent it and you know, it's missing, lost in translation. But anyway, it just captures the four things that I'm going to share. And they're not secrets. They're not set in stones. They're just meant to help us to end the year on a good note. And that is the fact that we must trust in the presence of God. Like I said... God's presence always accompanies his promise. Then we must trust in the promises of God. What is God telling you? Irrespective of what you see, you have to trust in it. Right? We must trust and believe in his plans. It's not your way, it's his way. Right? And finally, we must remember God's faithfulness. And those are the four things that we're going to look at in trying to unpack this. So, God, this, 
now delivered the Israelites from Egypt with his mighty hand. And I'm just going to run through some of the wonderful things that he did for this group that Rahab has so nicely summarized for the spies that have come. So he parted the Red Sea. That was the big one. And in doing that, he, he sort of uh, uh, killed two birds with a stone. Not only did he give them access to now continue their journey, leaving their past behind, he also made sure that he destroyed the enemy that was in pursuit. The host of Egypt perished by reason of this. So God demonstrated his power and his faithfulness. That he's not mocking about, he's definitely going to honor his word um, to them. So they, were, they, 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 they went on on this journey. Along the journey, he provided clothes and shoes to them that never wore out. It was as rock solid as the day they left Egypt. He also looked after their welfare, giving them manna, giving them food from heaven, ensuring that the old and the feeble were okay. None was sick. He looked after them. And then he brought them all the way to the promised land in Kadesh. And God instructed Moses to stretch forth uh, the staff that was with him, and God parted the sea. Um, before Moses began this journey, God had spoken to him, and the staff was an indication of God's presence with Moses. Until this whole time, the whole region of Canaan had been inhabited by wicked people. And it wasn't about anything that the Israelites did or didn't do about some righteousness. God just decided to favor them. And of course, because the occupants of the land were wicked people, you know, that ultimately made them God's enemies. Um, so they got to this point, and Moses sent out 12 spies, one from each tribe, because the, the Israelites were constituted by 12 tribes. And they were meant to go and bring back good reports to go back and see where God was taking them to. But instead, they returned. And this was the testimony that they brought back, 10 out of the 12. When the Israel spies returned from the valley, uh, from, the, from surveying the land, 10 of the 12 spies were so afraid and they spread their fear to the Israelites. Therefore, instead of trusting God, to continue the deliverance that he had started by bringing them out of Egypt, they relied on their own flawed wisdom. They trusted in the arm of flesh, flesh. They looked at what they had in their arsenal. How many know that if it really comes down to it, it doesn't matter how many nuclear arsenal we have? <laughs> to be honest the arm of flesh will always fail. So there's no trusting in chariots that can save. Mm -hmm. Only God can save. But of the 12 tribes, of the 12 spies, jo uh, jo Joshua and Caleb, they spoke the truth. And they said, the land we passed through is a good land. In fact, in Joshua's words, it's exceedingly good. Means that this is the better end. What God has in store for us is awesome. And he's not brought us this far to leave us. 
And Joshua said, if the Lord is pleased with us, we will lead, he will lead us into the land, a land that flows with milk and honey and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. So this was Joshua's testimony. Joshua and Caleb were the only two from the generation that left. Because of that 40 years, as they dwindled in the wilderness, the, 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 all the ones that didn't believe, anybody above 20, I believe, all died there and were buried at the border. They never got to see the promise. And I pray that the promises of God in our lives will be realized. Yeah. For some of us, it's the promise of God on our children. Yeah. For some of us, it's our place of work, it's with our health. I pray that as we believe, as we trust, that we will surely come to realize the promise that God has made for us and we will have the better ending. So, if we take Rahab, the harlot's, uh, she was a harlot, I didn't mention that earlier, testimony and the testimony of Joshua, 40 years on, we will see that there's no difference between the two. So they were only reporting to Joshua what he already knew. I can't imagine the frustration that Joshua would be going through. He could have been living this life 40 years on. Oh my goodness. So Joshua was just happy by the time this information came back to him. They said to him, from Joshua 2.24, and they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. There wasn't any battle because it's already been won. This is just the devil playing tricks. How many more of such tricks is the devil playing right now? over our lives, our sources of income, our children, our friends, our relationship, you name it. The devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But we've got victory in Jesus. The battle is already won. So for us to experience a better ending, as I've shared before, we must do, or we could do, um, these four things. The first is to trust in the presence of God. So when the Israelites left Egypt. God went ahead of them as a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night so that he would guide them. All right? So we must trust in the presence of the Lord. When God gives you a promise, believe that his presence is with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. That's what the promise of God tells us. He says in Isaiah 41, and this is one of the things that we can hold on to. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I've said before, the presence of God will never go to a place where he's not ready to honor his promises. Amen. Amen. Just as the Red Sea parted and the rivers of Jordan parted, because when they got to this stance, he, he went ahead of them in the Ark of Covenant. 
which held its presence, which held its guidance. In fact, they will not move until the ark moved. So that promise that God has given to you, where is the position of his presence in there? So there are a few things that can help us now, because obviously we don't have the ark, but we have the Holy Spirit. And we have the new covenant in the blood of Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us guidance and direction. The Holy Spirit gives us guidance and direction. So we need to open ourselves up to receive of God's Spirit as a guide. The Holy Spirit, or the, the Spirit of, or the presence of God also carries holiness and sanctification. It is not comfortable to sin in the presence of God. It keeps you on the straight and narrow. Amen. So we need to acknowledge his presence. We need to know that his presence is constantly with us. It gives us comfort and assurance. You can tell from Rahab's te- testimony, they knew that God was with them and they were afraid of that. So the presence of God brings comfort and assurance. From 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4, it says, Praise be to the God and our Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Amen. The presence of God brings connection and relationship. The people in PNG may never get to meet any one of us here. But because of the presence of God, there is a connection. It brings hope and encouragement. According to Romans 15, 3. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, it brings transformation. And those that did the baptism last week will tell you. The presence of God brings transformation. The Bible says in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. You become overwhelmed with peace and happiness. Undescribable. So trust in the presence of God. Moses will say to God, if you will not go with us, we will not go on this journey. And that is what we need for every part of our life. If we're going to end well. Then again, we must trust the promises of God. And my word, there are so much. I've often shared how my family dwells on Isaiah 54. It was a word in season, and it's been so true. We need to trust in the presence of the Lord, in the promises of the Lord. Hebrews 10.23 tells us, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised his faithful to fulfill. So what promises have God given to you? Trust in them. I love how the book of Joshua puts it very intentionally. It said this from Joshua 21:45. I'm not sure I have it. It said, "Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. 
What a wonderful God we serve. So what promises do you have regarding your marriage, regarding your children, concerning your future, your destiny, the business investment, whatever it is? What is the promise of God concerning that? Believe it. Believe it. So some of, the, some of, the, um, some of God's promises, I'm just quickly, quickly going to run through uh, at this once. And like I said, there's so many. One, God promises us reconciliation to him through the death of Christ. And that we have. Salvation. That's the first and most important promise that we want to enjoy in God. Second Corinthians um, Chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. All this is from God who reconciles us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not, continue, not counting people's sins against them. How many know that if our sins were counted against us, we will not stand? Such grace. Again, God promises us that he will continue to have his presence in our lives. If we look at Hebrews 13 and verse 5, he said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling destitute, if you're feeling, you know, that you're overwhelmed by just being alone, this is the promise that God says. He'll show up. You might get a phone call. You might get a knock on the door, unexpected, expected, he will never leave you. He will never leave you or forsake you. God promises to answer our prayers. And that's why I believe, whether it's the 100th time or the 50th time, and I've seen this play out. In the 10 years that we had delays in, in having children after we, we had, I must have said like a million prayers. It was the top of my prayer list at every prayer meeting. And as a matter of fact, the day I believe that the blessing was released. Well, it's usually released the first time we pray, but the Prince of Persia, whose antique forte is to bring delay, you know, gets in the mist and brings that delay. The day I believed it happened, I didn't even feel like I was praying. I was mostly whinging to God. You know? It was a Father's Day ceremony. I'd just gotten a, a bottle of grape wine and I'm thinking, why will I be celebrating when I don't have kids? And I heard the rebuke of the Lord in me saying, well, you wouldn't have the opportunity to tell anyone else the story. And that year, you know, God did it. So we need to believe that God answers prayers. I've got heaps of stuff that I'm praying for and still believing and I keep still praying for. And like Matt said today, we need to be just thanking God because he's already done it. So I'm thankful for healing. I'm thankful for restoration in many areas. I'm thankful that the kids are going to turn out fine. I'm thankful that tomorrow I'm still going to be joyful and happy and blessed. I'm thankful for all of that. He promises to never withhold good things from us. We see in Psalm 84, uh, 11, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield, the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk blameless. He promises us fruitfulness in old age. And this isn't that you have to be gray. It just means that some stuff that you're probably not entitled to, God still releases onto you. Abraham 
had his child at an old age, at a time that it you know, was almost humanly impossible. But whatever is impossible with man is possible with God. God promises us help in the time of trouble. This is a really big one. Sometimes when there's nowhere else to turn to, there's no help coming from the north, east, west, or south. God promises us help. And he shows up in form of a miracle. Our eternal security says, I will give them eternal life and they shall never perish. And then he also promises us heaven as our home from Revelation 21.4. He will wipe away every tear from their eye and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old things, for the old order of things has passed away. God's promises are precious and they are magnificent and God shows up where his promises are. Amen. Very quickly, we need to trust the plan of God. And this is also a very big one too, because we are always planning to do things our way. So you see, for the 10 spies that went in, they're thinking we'll make a whole lot of noise and we'll draw out some swords and then we'll scare them. But the reality is these guys were two, three times their size. We must have heard the story of David and Goliath. So Goliath was you know, uh, one of the sons of Anak, and this is, this is how they come across. They're huge. And their heart just melted because they wanted to do it their way. And if they did it their way, they would have laid claim to the victory. So trust in the plan of God. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have towards you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope, Amen. contrary to the plan of the enemy who comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So we must trust in God's plan. and We must rely on his wisdom. We must rely on uh, his understanding because in, his intentions towards us are ultimately good. For that, we can do things like seeking God's will, praying to God regarding plans, who to marry, when to marry for the young ones, about an exam that's coming, about a business opportunity, how to do, go about your investment. Submit your plans to God. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. From Ecclesiastes 3.1, we, we see there that we should trust in the Lord's timing. My goodness, we live in a world of instant gratification, and this is a massive challenge to a lot of people. But there is time for everything, and there's a season for every activity under the sun. And what God will do tomorrow, he will not be bullied into doing it today. So there's no bless me now or I die prayer that's going to work. No but he shows up when it matters the most. Amen. He shows up. Embrace the word of God. Embrace the word of God. They are soothing. The psalmist says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Amen. Persevere through challenges. They will come, but the waters will not drown you and the fires will not burn you. You need to persevere. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Understand that you're not going through this alone. I can imagine God's frustration in the wilderness because he's 
He's the Alpha, he's the Omega. He knows already what he's set up. All they needed to do was match up to the gate. And the Canaanites would have just read off. They were faint-hearted. No one was willing to die because they knew it was imminent. Amen. We must continually seek God's guidance. Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make straight your path. And finally, not the least, remember the faithfulness of God. Sometimes that's all you have. When the tank's empty, you've just got to remember. It is the same God that provided for you at some time. He is the same God that put the sun where it is. It's the same God that established the moon. Sometimes that's all you've got in the tank. Remember that he's faithful. Psalmist says, great is your faithfulness. Morning by morning, his mercies are renewed. So reflect on past experiences. Surround yourself with a community where you see what God is doing in the lives of others and take that as an encouragement because your time will also surely come. Engage in daily devotional and scriptural reading. Listen to gospel music. Whatever brings that calmness, whatever brings that soothing, whatever takes you to that place where the Holy Spirit can actually walk you through the plan. Amen. And be prayerful and be thankful. Philippians 4, 6-7. Do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation, be prayerful and bring your petitions with thanksgiving. Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guide your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'll conclude with Revelations 22, verse 13. The Bible tells us there that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. The Alpha means the beginning. The Omega means the end. And if we draw from the inspiration of the Israelites on their journey, God already was at the end waiting for them. So how many promises in our lives now do we have God waiting at the end of, just waiting for us to show up? Amen. The account of the spies, which is the lie that the enemy comes and gives to us, cost them 40 years, made them to wander about for 40 years. So whatever report has been given to you that is said that you're messed up and screwed up and you're not worthy and you're not qualified, I want you to know that there's a better report. And it is one even from the enemy saying to you that if only you had shown up I would have vacated this space. If only you had shown up, your deliverance would have been handed over to you. If only you had shown up, the promise that God had made for you would have been handed to you. Amen. Amen. Let us commit to trusting in the promises of God, holding on to the unchanging character and embracing his plan with faith and obedience. Can we just bow down our heads and pray? Father God, we thank you for your word. It's yes and amen. We thank you because you're not the son of man that would lie or repent. 
And we thank you because your promise towards us is for a better ending in every area of our lives. We thank you because we know there's a good report at the end of that testimony. And we just ask that as we trust in your presence, as we trust in your promises, as we trust in your plan, that your blessings will be established in our lives. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, mighty Father. We give all the glory to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.